your sequel sucks. It sucks. Your sequel sucks. It just really sucks. Welcome back to another episode of Your Sequel Sucks, the show where each and every week we dive into these pitiful sequels. When the episode is over, please take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, you can suggest episodes by reaching out to our email or social media accounts. I'm one of your hosts, Tricky Nikki, and I am joined by a man <laughs> who one time helped me steal matching bright yellow Tasmanian devil t-shirts. And then we had a photo shoot in his bathroom. <laughs> Luke Ladley. Dude, the picture from that night is still your contact photo on my phone. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I swear to God. Holy fuck, I, it's been like 10 years. I'll, I'll never let it go. You learn to cherish the good things. Um, so I'll, I'll never let it go, Nick. Oh my God, what a fucking throwback. Oh. That is amazing. Hold on, I have to... Um, go into my phone and just send you this picture right now to just prove that I would never lie about such a moment. I just All remember right. they didn't have them in our sizes, so we just they were kids' shirts, so you we gotta, had to buy like large child's t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, they were big boys, the, oh, the largest boy size. If you look at your phone right now, just tap the photo. It's definitely that picture. Oh my god. What a way to start an episode. I, I thought for sure you would have forgot all about that. Because, oh, hell no. Because that was every our, our... time you've called me for the last 10 years, that Tasmanian devil photo shoot comes up. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. Did you get it? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> that makes I'm me so happy. <clears throat> told you, bro. You don't let the good things go. You hold oh. on. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, oh man. man. So what's ah. good? What's going on in the world? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's good. I just got done watching the whole Friends reunion show on HBO Max with my wife. So that was actually really good. We had a lot of good laughs. I mean, listen, judge me, people. I like Friends. Love Friends. Always have. Hilarious fucking series. So we just got done watching that. And I also just got done watching the new 14-minute gameplay reveal of Horizon Forbidden West from uh, Sony PlayStation's State of Play conference. And Nick, I'm fucking excited, bro. I want to fucking kill some robot dinosaurs. I really oh, want to kill some robot dinosaurs. All right. So I was just going to ask if that is a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Wasn't that the game that came Yes, sir, it ago? is. Yes, sir, it is. Oh, and I that believe... That game was so fucking good. Oh, it was so good, dude. And... I believe it is going to be part of a trilogy. And um, I mean, guys, if you have gotten a next gen console or if you're somebody who hasn't yet and has said like, oh, is it worth it? You look at these fucking graphics because this is built from the ground up on the PS5. Wow, man. Unbelievable. Um, I am very, very excited. Um, it looks to be more of like a lush greenery setting of the um, like a rainforest, not rainforesty, but like a a very water forest type of vibe um, from what they showed. And wow, it looks incredible. Very impressed. Oh, that's going to be so fucking good because those games are always like, do you remember uh, shadow of the Colossus? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, so yes. Good. Classic. It, it reminds me of that, but with action because shadow of the Colossus didn't have a lot of action. <laughs> that is a really good actual comparison because you are fighting these like larger than life enemies and you're trying to take them down and will them down. That's literally what this game is about. It's, so good and it has like breath of the wild vibes with the open environments and stuff i'm i'm very excited nick i'm very excited fuck yeah man how's your week been bro not bad you know i don't have a lot of uh exciting gaming news going on the new monster hunter looks all right yes yes <laughs> so i'll probably i'll probably pick that one up um i was really hopeful that there was going to be some big uh square enix reveals happening but you know nothing really so, you know what, man? Listen, we've been on the Square Enix train with Outriders. That was That's their true. last, you know. So it's still rolling. They, I believe, I read an article where it said, "Oh God, I know we're fucking on a big tangent here," but I did read an article about Square <laughs> Enix saying that Outriders is going to be the most important IP that they worry about for the next ten years because it has sold very well. The reception has been very good, and me and Nick can both attest the yes. game is fucking excellent. 
Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because the things they're most known for take them so long to put out. So I'm oh, sure God. there'll be an Outriders 2, like you said, almost 10 years from now, just like they waited on Kingdom Hearts. They wait on Final Fantasy. Like, oh, they, God. Don't, they don't put out games <laughs> fast. They, you they grow old. You grow old waiting for these games. You enjoy yeah. them when you get them. Bro, by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, I was a grown ass man. I played the other ones when I was a kid. So <laughs> shit. All right. We're we're done with the tangents. This was a long one. <laughs> Do you want to tell people what shit we watch now that we're back to normal episodes? Oh my god. Yes. We watched kicking back into the original formula. I still know what you did last summer. You gotta be shit. Look at this cat. Yo, what's up, my brother? Hey, Tyrell, I think we found your brother. I think we found your brother. Damn. You know what I was saying? Are you looking for some bat? I got some bat guano. I got the cream jeans. Listen, anything you guys need, Titus got. No, thank you, but thank you very much. What's up? Everybody needs something. What about the ladies, the sweet young ladies? Is there anything I can do? Take a bath. Damn, that's cold, woman. All right. <laughs> Listen, if you need some weed, I'll get with you later. At least Freddie Prince came back. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so much more worse than I remember, Nick. Yes. Oh, my God, dude. I remember when it came out. We're talking height of the late 90s horror films, you know, going the blockbuster, picking out what, you know, is the big buzz movie rental. And I remember thinking I liked it when I was 10 years old and then watching it for this episode. And wow, this one is so fucking just atrocious. Did you remember it taking place in the Bahamas? I didn't. I, I did. I remembered it was the vacation getaway. I somewhat remembered that it was like the radio winner thing. And um, I just didn't remember it being so fucking blah and so just unnecessary, dude. It is, you know, it, it was one of the only movies, you know, that are written in this like serial killer type of um, styling where not even the shock moments like scared me. You know, they have like the shock scares and stuff. Yep. Dude, not even those got me. I just watched the movie the whole way through. I was like, oh, oh okay. I just don't enjoy this, I guess. Oh, and I just waited for the credits. Oh, after that first death that we will get into when we oh, talk God. about the scenes, I was like, this is how it's going to be. This, <laughs> this kind of like, like you said, there's no surprise. There's not like a gore factor. It's just a guy. It is yeah. literally a guy. In a, in a slicker. It's just yes. a guy in a slicker suit. <laughs> That's it. Oh, fuck. But man, do you remember the first time you had seen the original? I know we yes. did last summer. Yes, I do. And I remember at the time, I thought it was fucking scary. Uh, you know, you have this guy with the hook and the story was cool. You know, it's like these people, these group of teens, you know, accidentally kill this guy and he fucking basically comes back to, you know, extract vengeance and, and kill them all. And it was scary. I mean, I don't think I've ever held it as the esteem of other, you know, horror movies, you know, but it was always something that you'd watch and be like, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I remember the scene with Jennifer Love You. Be like, "What do you have for me? What yeah. do you want?" Like, I feel like everyone <laughs> remembers that. I mean, even Scary Movie made fun of that fucking scene. Yeah. But you know, I, I'd say for late '90s horror, it's probably up there near the top. You know, it'll, it'll always be below Scream. But it yeah. was, you know, it was always like the, you know, the kids' version of Scream. Yeah, <laughs> it really, it really helped that like horror wave come back. Cause Scream, you know, yes. and we'll we'll dive into that. But Scream brought that back after like horror was kind of almost funny, like Leprechaun yeah. style. Like nobody really gave a shit about horror movies. And then, oh, bro, yeah. I saw Jason goes to hell. I know where this was going. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But man, like I told you this before we recorded, but I. I didn't see I Know What You Did Last Summer until way later. I was probably in like middle school and it came in like mm -hmm. a DVD two pack of yes. I Know What You Did Last Summer and I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. And I barely remembered this movie up until we watched it um, this week for this episode. But I do remember not finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, like, I'm, I, I'm out. I check out. Yeah, I remember <laughs> trying to watch them back to back and being like, 
I'm, I'm just done. This is too much of, <laughs> of a hooded man with a hook, but I agree with you. It is, it is a classic slasher movie. It has, it has all the tropes, you know, it's been yeah. done in like family guy. And like you said, scary movie, they always make fun of this one. Um, so let's just get into it. I know what you did last summer is an American slasher film um, releasing in the fine year of 1997. It keeps coming up, but this is a good movie. Everybody. Yeah, the kind, kind of a beacon. Finally, there we go. Some hope. Yes. <laughs> and the movie is based on a novel of the same name, which is then based on the popular urban legend of the hook, which is, I mean, anybody who's watched anything, it's just a man with a hook hand who stalks teenagers who are fucking in their cars. That is literally the story <laughs> where like they hear the guy outside and all that was left was the hook handle. You get it. You know, all the shit. So, <laughs> so the screenplay was done by a man named Kevin Williamson. And this is a big deal because one year earlier what did he do pookie uh kevin williamson is kind of a juggernaut because he was known for writing scream one with wes craven directing and nick he went on to also write scream two with wes craven directing so this is a huge name to land yeah I mean, literally due to his success at they they literally quote as him helping to revitalize a dying horror subgenre. Absolutely. Um, The producers, especially Eric Feig. I'm going to call him (laughs) Feig. We're going to get into these names again, people. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Approached him specifically to adapt the novel and turn it into a more modern day horror movie. Um, The production team wanted Scream but quote without the satire since they mm-hmm. believed it was time to recash in on the slasher craze. And I mean, they were right. They were, they were right. right. It was the time period for it. So for the original movie, they bring in Jim Gillespie. Uh, he, he hasn't done anything. And I was going <laughs> to mention that about Jim Gillespie. I mean, if you guys go and you look at his history, he really did a series of like video shorts and TV episodes and none of them popular i mean he did an episode on a show called capital lives uh cardiac arrest shooting gallery he did an, one episode on a series called nick i've never heard of this it was called ghostbusters of east finchley i don't know what that is um <laughs> i can't believe that's a thing yeah I, I guess it's a real thing i'm looking at oh yeah this looks horrible okay so um he did that but he was really not known for directing chops so it's kind of interesting that you get a writer like kevin williamson to do the script and then you handed over to essentially a no-name director and he kind of gets the job done you know yeah yeah i mean literally the only thing they had to go off of was his 1995 short thriller called joyride yep which received mixed reviews so like they they really <laughs> they they went in they tossed it in probably to save money to be to be honest 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean kevin williamson could not have been uh cheap at this point no, not at all. And speaking of not cheap, they definitely wanted to allot a certain amount of that budget to get popular actors in the height or beginning of their career. Um, actors and actresses who, I mean, kind of dominated the 90s, which we're about to get into with the cast, because Gillespie and the producers wanted, quote, beautiful but likable heroes. Um, <laughs> noting that, like, the cast of Scream and the right was much more focused on, like, the everyday teenager where you have the tropes of, like, the stoner, the comic relief with Jamie Kennedy. They didn't mm-hmm. want that. They didn't want to mirror Scream too much because they are kind of coming off the heels of it with a similar movie. Um, now, for a fucking movie to come out in 97, you could not imagine a more 90s heartthrob cast than this. Than this yeah. movie. It is cliche heavy hitters, starting with Jennifer Love Hewitt <laughs> in the lead role. You got Sarah Michelle Geller right after the premiere of Buffy, by the way. She was just getting started in the Buffy world. Um, you got the sister fucker, Ryan Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's his biggest role. (laughs) Uh, It's a good movie. (laughs) Bro, that was before he got super popular and was Felipe, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, of course, you have Freddie Prince Jr., uh, Bridget Wilson, who did Sonya Blade, which Mm -hmm. we talked about. Uh, Billy Um, Madison. Oh, that's right. Billy Mm -hmm. Madison. Um, Anne Hesch, 
who did the Psycho remake and Donnie Brasco. So you're really starting off with kind of a big 90s cast. I got to jump off that. I mean, guys, you have to think about this. For a movie that is coming out as just like Nick had mentioned, trying to cash in on the, the slasher craze, how the fuck do you manage to get almost every biggest star of the late 90s in one film on a first movie with a yes. director who's not super popular? I mean, you, I, I'll give credit where credit's due with the casting. That's phenomenal. And I, you know, I don't know if you could really look back at another movie in this genre, at least, Nick, where on the first film, you grab so many actors that are essentially right at the height of their popularity or right about to rock it off, you know? Yes. Most of the actors we just named could single-handedly have carried this movie. Not 100%. All, yeah, not that they all didn't do good jobs, but at the time, each one of them were stars. They were literally lead actors or actresses in their respective movies. So to get all of them together at once was pretty insane. And there's some interesting production notes um, on this film we can't really go into because we're not talking about this movie. Um, but definitely, I suggest looking it up because there's some cool stuff I found about yeah. how they would use like certain <clears throat> color filters. They would do odd camera angles. A lot of stuff that they learned from like the 80s slasher films they brought back that were kind of all done with in Hollywood at the time. Um, but anyway, on a budget of $17 million, it brings in over $125 million and that, yeah that is, is something <laughs> nick i'm sorry i just need to piggyback off this again guys they got all of those actors for under 20 million dollars yes just think about that return on investment because like nick said 125 million dollars worldwide gross that is over six times what it costs to spend nick i'm sorry continue <laughs> It's just amazing. I mean, oh, who the fuck is this? It's amazing. I mean, if you think about after the Scooby-Doo movies came out, <laughs> you, you probably couldn't get Freddie Prince Slicks. Jr. for less than like $7 million in cocaine alone. I don't know if Freddie Prince Jr. That's Jean-Claude Van Damme numbers if you're listening, folks. <laughs> I actually don't know enough about Freddie Prince. What's he up to these days? Let's get him back. Uh, I'm not, he's just waiting for Scooby, you know? He's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So... Of all people, the producers, the people who did kind of put this all together, they get the idea of what they're going to be looking at for next summer. What does next summer look like, people? And we start moving on. So before I fully get into that movie, I got to say that the soundtrack is also 90s as fuck. It is Typo Negative, Soul Asylum, The Offspring, and Korn did original songs for this movie. Wow. Weird. Wow. 90s. Soul Asylum. <laughs> wow, man. They were still looking for that runaway. They were like, ah, we'll, we'll write another song while we wait. Oh, corn <laughs> comes up a lot on this show. Yeah. <laughs> we're not and we're not even corn fans. We don't like corn. Guys, oh, I'm man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on another tangent. One of the best lines of this entire show that still makes me laugh is when Nick said the only corn I like in the bedroom begins with a K. <laughs> It still it still haunts me because my wife didn't know what corn was. And she Watch the Troll Two episode. It's cold. It's cold. <laughs> oh man, good episode. So, oh. so Eric Feig and Neil Moritz, two of the producers, mm -hmm. um, they know that with these slasher films, you have to strike while they are hot. Looking at the yes. past '80s film success, they needed that formula of you just pump this shit out. It doesn't matter budget. It doesn't even matter what it's about. So. The film isn't even out of theaters yet when they decide to push for a new script for the sequel and a tight production schedule for a release just the following year. It's still in theaters when they're doing this. The stew is already brewing, but it only gets a little thicker when they approach their golden goose, Kevin Williamson, to write it. And he turns it down because he was too busy on Dawson's Creek and Halloween H2O. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I Oh, man, talk about a, a powerhouse. He not only created, well, helped create Scream, I would say. Wes Craven probably did a lot. Um, but he created Dawson's Creek. Like, when I looked into it, he not only wrote it, like, he pitched it and everything. That was his. This dude is responsible for, like, all the fucking 90s pop icon fucking TV you know, film that we know. I mean, that turns out to be, you know, one of the most known pop icon stuff. But, dude, that is huge. And... 
what a fucking downgrade, Nick, that they go with when they can't get Kevin Williamson. No. And oddly enough, who else they can't get? Jimmy Gillespie. <laughs> He's the like, director. one and done. <laughs> I'm yep. one and done. Yep. Apparently he had some mild interest, but ultimately does not like doing the idea of a sequel just to do a sequel. And, and I will let out. you guys know, he goes on to do pretty much fucking nothing. Okay. Yes. He does a couple TV movies. He does another video short. He really goes on to do nothing. He absolutely should have fucking taken this movie. Yeah. Now, here's a funny direction they could have went. They initially wanted Peter Jackson to direct. Now, oh, this God. is yeah, this is pre <laughs> pre Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson. So like the esteem was not there. However, he had just been nominated for several Academy Awards for um Heavenly Creatures. And he was just coming off his first North American film, The Frighteners, which apparently left a very bad taste in his mouth because of the uh rushed and ruthless production schedule. Um I've never what seen makes... The Frighteners. I heard it was good, but it, it did not do well in theaters. Yeah, what makes you guys think that you're going to get fucking Peter Jackson? <laughs> like, you were so ballsy. <laughs> you were fucking thinking. Yeah, you Peter made one Jackson. successful movie. Like, you you were responsible for one successful movie, and you're going to get somebody who, even at this time, he had Academy Awards. Like, yeah. Like, no, for your, for your low-budget sequel? All right. He's like, listen, Elijah Wood, I need you to hold off a little bit. I got this slicker movie. <laughs> I really need to fuck with right now. <laughs> Sir Ian, oh, man. pipe down. Magneto's coming for you. Don't worry. I got the slicker movie with Jack Black. I need to fucking pursue. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, so they do bring in somebody who I'm personally very excited about. Director Danny Cannon. Do you yeah. know Danny Cannon? I do know Danny Cannon, and I have to say, this is Danny Cannon's most underwhelming work. <laughs> because this fucking guy, dude, he fucking did Judge Dredd. Yes. Which is a juggernaut blockbuster film. And Nick, he goes on to do extremely excellent shit. Guys, I'm talking, he goes on to do the, the show Gotham, Shameless, CSI. Currently, he's doing the new Pennyworth series about Alfred Pennyworth. This is his low point right here in yes. this movie. And they got him off the heels of Judge Dredd because Judge yeah. Dredd was only two years before they started production on this. Absolutely, and, Nick. I mean, he worked with Stallone. So when you're going from Stallone to Freddie Prince, there's yeah. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they also have to bring in a new writer, which was Trey Calloway. And what's interesting is that he seems to do a lot of ghostwriting work. It's hard to find a filmography on this guy other than that. He's worked with big people and big companies like Fox, Warner brothers and Disney, bro. He is a huge letdown. Do you know what Trey Calloway's major credit was before they brought him in other than being a ghostwriter? Like what yes. his actual credit was. So he was he the drummer of green day. What? He was the drummer of Green Day. Yo, this is Trey. That's the same Trey Calloway? No. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I, I saw that. I was like, I, yeah. I almost yeah. lost my mind. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this American oh idiot god. ruined this movie. <laughs> Bro. Oh my god. <laughs> That was hilarious. I literally picked up my phone so fast. I was like, oh, man, how did I miss this? <laughs> I actually don't know. I don't know anything he did. But, bro, his only credit before this was writing five episodes of the Timon and Pumbaa cartoon. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> bro, he wrote it. He wrote five episodes. They didn't even let him do the whole cartoon. That is his only writing credit that I could find. That wasn't like ghostwriting. That was actually something that's like, oh, yeah, Trey Calloway did this. What a downgrade. How do you go from fucking Williamson to this guy? You went from Scream 1 and 2 to Timon and Pumbaa. Nick, Akuna Matata, get me the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. <laughs> but... So what's strange when we cover these sequels is they were able to do something that no other movie has really done for us yet. They got back the two biggest people from the first. Got to give them credit. Yeah. Yeah. They got back uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. They got back 
Freddie Prince Jr. And it's a huge grab um, because one, neither of them were hurting for work at the time. They were huge stars. They were getting offers constantly and they did this. They yes. were genuinely interested to come back for the enjoyment of it. And two, it is extremely rare, rare that we get the actors back from the original films, let alone two stars who could probably smash the box office just by themselves. At that point in time in 98, 100% agree with you. And yep. you have to imagine the shit that they held off on doing because of this movie. Because Freddie Prince goes on to do movies like She's All That and a bunch of, you know, like romantic type of teen comedy type of movies. Same thing with Jennifer Love Hewitt, man. They. I mean, what a grab, because like we said, the offers were coming in. They were fucking coming in like hotcakes and and they chose to do this. <laughs> yeah. What's so what's odd is to kind of round it out. They bring in a relatively unknown Bakai Pfeiffer at the time. He hasn't really done much. He's a few years away from like his breakout in eight mile. Um, mm -hmm. but it's whatever. It's Makai. He gets a lot better. He is not good in this movie. <laughs> no but, no a very typecast type of role in this movie if i may say so myself i a hundred percent agree with that and uh so they need one more spot one more big name and yes everybody jack black's in this we'll get to it but he's not the big name they need one more big name and it was an open casting call for a female role and the scummy production team literally in a quote said that they <coughs> wanted somebody similar to sarah michelle geller their ideal was a Caucasian actress with a big career trajectory and a nice set of cans. <laughs> <laughs> nice set of cans. So that, it's such a 90s statement. But what's funny is they didn't expect to get kind of somebody who is very famous, but does not fit their criteria because they get a, a sort of enormous black pop and R&B singer to audition with Brandy. And you reminded me that Brandy right before this had done Moesha. Which yeah, stopped. dude. But that's. So and funny. also, I have to mention that she had had that huge song with Monica called The Boy Is Mine. And Mackay Pfeiffer played the boyfriend yes. in that video. So that's yes. a little bit going. Also, Mackay Pfeiffer was on ER at the time. Was um, he? Yeah, he was on ER, but. Like you said, he has not had a major breakout role. Um, oh, guys, I could be wrong on this. I believe he was in the movie O with Julia Stiles, and it was basically a modern take on the William Shakespeare novel Othello. But, Nick, I can't remember if that was fucking pre I Still Know What You Did Last Summer or post. But regardless, yes, he had not had a major like breakthrough feature film. And, and, and sadly, this will not help him. This no. will not help him break through. No. And like we said, Jack Black is sort of. <laughs> <in it. laughs> he's not one of the main cast, but he, he's in it. <laughs> so he's the most enjoyable part of the movie. Comic yeah, relief. I was going to say. Take what you want from that. He's there. <laughs> he is the most <laughs> enjoyable part of the movie. So much like the first film, they were only given 10 weeks to finish the movie. Now that is not as short as some of these. We've, we've heard 20 days, 30 days. So yeah. 10 weeks is kind of a luxury in comparison. Um, but they weren't able to actually film in the Bahamas because it would have been way too expensive. So they use locations in Mexico and coastal California to kind of mm -hmm. reenact like beaches and like jungle areas and everything. Um, so what's funny is the production team claim to this day that it was only shot on a $24 million budget. But we know that's not true, did, Nick. Yes, we did our research. This is false. This is very, very false. Um, they had to up the marketing, up the promotions, uh, continue to market post-release and push for home video rentals, which added a hidden $65 million cost to the budget that they somehow just didn't feel like was part of the overall filming of the movie. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, but the producers were so sure that they were going to at least pull in the people from the uh, the audience from the original film. So they weren't worried about upping the budget because they thought they would clear a hundred million without issue. Spoiler for what we'll get into. They did it. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely didn't. It's very poor. The reception to this <laughs> very poor. And you know, what's funny is 
if it wasn't this time period, this may have actually worked for them. They might have actually cleared that 100 million. But I had to look something up because, as you mentioned, this was the height of the horror resurgence, especially slasher films. So when I looked it up, just from 1996 when Scream came out to the 1998 release of this movie, there were 47 horror movies released just in theaters. That's not including straight to DVD, Holy television shit. films, or foreign horror films like Ringu, which has just blown up in Japan. That is just American domestic in theaters horror movies, 47 movies. Wow. Holy shit. I did not know. Dude, that is a lot. Oh, yeah. 22 of them sequels. That's almost two a month. Yeah. So you're saying you're saying Holy from shit, 97 yeah. to 98, right? So if yep. you count all of 97 and all of 98, that's technically two years. That's almost two a month. I mean, wait, so, oh, wait, they're saying 97 to 98, one year? Uh, 96 to 98. Okay, so all right, that's what I thought, released, okay. Yep, it was from wow. Scream release to 98, because apparently everybody wanted to kind of hop on Scream the way everybody wanted to rip off Halloween in, like, the late yeah. 70s, early 80s. So, I just, I could not believe that, and I was like, holy shit. Um, but anyway, we're getting off topic, because when the dust is settled, the film grosses $84 million dollars which looks good when you consider the first budget that they announced, but much less rewarding when you account for the second and actual budget. Yeah. And guys, keep in mind, like we said, this movie did not do anything close to what they expected at the box office. So like Nick had mentioned, they spent a lot of money hoping for a post-release like resurgence. So a lot of money went into marketing materials for blockbuster rentals, home video. I mean, they didn't... (laughs) They made nowhere close. And <laughs> you look at the money, Nick, and I'll, I know what your ass ain't doing next summer. It's not making one of these fucking movies. You know, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you fucking you. The slicker is going to be wrapped up that put that in the closet. <laughs> you fucking cash in as much as you can get. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but yes, it is met with terrible reviews. Seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It made it to Roger Ebert's uh, most hated films list, along with the original. By the way, both movies were on his most hated films list, which is Damn. only ten movies long. And to, <laughs> wow, and you to, got the whole anthology. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to this day, Freddie Prince Jr. has still not even seen this movie. He yeah. has refused. It is actually one of only two movies that he has ever refused to see that he's been in. And I don't know what the other one is. Please tell me the other one's Scooby-Doo. Oh, <laughs> I, imagine he, I imagine he watches that now. <laughs> he's so proud of his achievements. Zoinks! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's fucking hilarious, dude. Um, Yeah, this thing just doesn't hit. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> it actually affects Jennifer Love Hewitt going on because, yes. Nick, I had scene that she said because of these two movies she basically this was the last time she ever appeared in a horror film because one of the reception and two she did not want to be typecast as one of those cliche scream queens yeah so i mean as of 2021 i don't know if she's done anything recently but she really did hold to that and good for her because it could have easily gone down that road (laughs) Yeah, good for her. And again, people, I don't know what Freddie Prince is up to these days. So somebody reach out and let us know what he's doing because I feel you like okay? he can still be good. He can still pull this off. Um, but without further ado, do you want to talk a little bit about just a, a few of your favorite pieces of shit that we watched? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's scenes in this movie that are fucking hilarious. But instead of doing a scene, I want to start off with what me and you alluded to before. And it's a character. And this this character, I'm just trying to hold it in. I'm so sorry. This character, guys, makes this movie. And what you have in this film is you have Jack Black with a full head of dreadlocks and a Hawaiian T-shirt. He looks like a white Uncle Tito from Rocket Power. Yes. And he is the comedic relief in this fucking movie. He is your typical stoner guy fucking try and gets everyone high. And he is hilarious because... None of this movie is working. None of the relationships, none of the tension, um, none of the thrill of the first one returned for, for this second visit here, okay? He at least helps break it in, but his character, Nick, is absolutely ridiculous. And remember, before this, he had appeared in The Cable Guy in 1996 with Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. 
He shouldn't have been doing movies like this at this point. Tenacious D is already out. You could find something better. <laughs> Dude, I swear, Jack, you're literally two movies away from Shallow Hell. You could do this. Yep. Don't. And he did it anyway. He did it anyway. No, he knew. He knew School of Rock was coming. He, he was going to be known. okay. But fuck, man. Yes. And he's wearing um like like steampunk goggles, which is yeah. pretty fucking weird. Um, and the first line he says is, you need some bud, some weed. I got that bat guano and those cream jeans. <laughs> I can't do a good Jack Black with like the oh Scooby Dooby Doo, bro, bro. He's not doing a good Jack Black. He's trying to sound like this weird Jamaican type of guy mixed with a hood type of guy. Yeah, like, it is like a he's very to, awkward scene. Very much. He's trying to be like a tourist, but also a drug dealer. And it's a very <laughs> odd character for him to play, bro. It is uh, one of the fucking scenes I love. His name is Titus, by the way, guys, which is just stupid. But listen, Titus literally talks to the one boat hand. Remember, he's like, hey, he wants, he's like, yes. let's take these boats to the mainland. We can get jiggy with it. And he's just saying really cliche type of things. Yes. It's fucking amazing. Oh, and <laughs> you know what? That's going to bring me to something that's going to kick off the first scene I want to talk about because there are major issues with clunky dialogue in this movie yes every fucking conversation 100%. it's so forced it feels choppy i don't know if they just edited it weird or if people couldn't remember their lines but everything was so out of sync and the scene that really set it off for me was i mean maybe 10 minutes 15 minutes in um jennifer love hewitt is back to her apartment after having some freakouts at school and all of that bullshit it's which the by the way was a completely I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. Nick, uh, Nick, that is a complete ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street where Nancy is having dreams in class. It is literally Julie having nightmares in class of this fucking guy trying to kill her. The, the whole setting, 100%. the way they do it, like, come on, man. As soon as they started that, I was like, ah, oh, really? 100%. In fact, a lot of the effects, and again, not to get off on a tangent, but a lot of the, like, you know how they keep seeing the hooded figure popping mm -hmm. up around them and they don't know if it's an illusion or not a lot of that shit was from like freddy one and two that's what they did yes the kids were all freaked out and they would feel like they could see him even when they weren't sleeping mm -hmm. that's the type of shit that they're doing so they really do just rip off of formulas because it worked for the first movie but <laughs> but she's back at her apartment after the freak out in class and bumping into freddy print all this other stupid shit she's at her apartment and her apartment gets broken into so she she looks around all freaked out um she hears them and then she finds a knife in her bedside table and proceeds to like stalk around in the dark thinking it's the killer from the first movie and that she's going to take him out again because you know that's the whole premise of the first one um turns out it's just brandy who needs to borrow a skirt for the club that night and it makes no sense about why she would go in like that because she says oh i thought you weren't home so i wanted to borrow a skirt she you broke in you didn't turn on a light and we'll <laughs> we'll get into it but i'm pretty sure they fucking live together i was There's gonna say i, I want to talk about i think they're roommates nick why would they do that right? I'm, I'm almost positive they're roommates and i'm like wait like when brandy sleeps over she comes out of like her own bedroom i'm like so yes. why did you break in huge plot hole so confused and you know uh j-lo hugh is talking about how j-lo she, <laughs> she almost got stabbed because she thought she was a burglar burglar and brandy this is where the dialogue gets weird because brandy is like i told you you should come out with me tonight right after she literally says i almost stabbed you and then <laughs> and then literally it's this like back and forth of girl are you coming out with me tonight no i'm not yes you are no i'm not for 30 seconds and then they flash to a nightclub scene that is the like that's when i was like oh they didn't put any thought into the writing of this movie they no you're not yes shit. i am no you're not yes i am no you're not yes i am <laughs> dude it, it uh it yeah i mean that kind of fucks me up with the roommate thing because you are right that makes absolutely no fucking sense and then when they go to that nightclub, they're introduced to the most unlikable fucking beta ass bitch character ever, which is Will. Oh, oh I up until his Will. final revealed, Nick, I could not fucking stand this guy, man. Oh, you mean Will is Ben's son? Yeah. <laughs> God. They, they didn't really Fuck think long movie. into that. When I read, when we were researching it and I found that I was like, really guys, really guys. <laughs> 
this is RoboCop level thought process. <laughs> Dude, he's just so unfucking likable. It's the typical '90s. Oh, I'm a good boy type of thing, and it's like, ah, man. I, maybe dry. it's because it's, oh, it's very dry. It is very fucking dry. Um, if you don't mind, can I touch on something about the whole winning the vacation to the Bahamas? I hope you're going to say the same thing that I wrote down. So please, please touch it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's two things. One. All right. We'll get to the other thing. Let me go to the main thing. <clears throat> they went on vacation to the Bahamas. Okay. And the whole story and the whole theme of this thing is how there is a massive hurricane coming into the Bahamas. The, the, their stay. Nick, how does nobody check the fucking weather before they go into what is literally called storm season into the Bahamas? Not one motherfucking person literally. Nick, I know whenever I book a vacation, the first thing I do is I look at the weather that week going ahead or, you know what I'm saying, to see if I have to cancel plans or arrange. Not one person knows that there is a massive hurricane that is literally shutting down the island and evacuating people. How does nobody see this? Nobody. And you have to assume that people are talking about this. (laughs) I mean, you you don't think when you go to the airport, they're like, oh, you're you're going there. Oh, you may want to look at that. There's actually a massive, devastating hurricane coming to that island. Yeah, because it's not like it's weeks. It literally comes with what? Like after a day of them being there? They're there for one night and it's like, well, you better enjoy this now. Tomorrow's the storm. And the funny (laughs) thing is, one thing about the storm on this island I've never seen, I don't believe it operates like this. Nick, when you go to these resorts in the Bahamas, nobody just leaves because the weather's bad. They don't just leave guests unattended in a fucking resort to fucking fend for themselves. Guys, when you watch this movie, everybody leaves. And I understand they needed to write something in there where it would just be the slicker and them to make like the tension there, you know, and they're alone on this resort. This is not the way to do it. It is immediately unbelievable because it's like, yo, you are not going to leave your fucking million dollar resort into the hands of these five teenage kids or whatever they are coming to your island on a vacation getaway. I believe that is bad business. I believe you don't. It doesn't work like that. No. And I need to pause on something before I go into the next scene. Is his name actually the Slicker? that's kind of like what is like kind of referred to as an, I guess, famous. I thought you made that up. No, Holy shit. Cause he's wearing a slicker. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I thought his Sounds name was cooler, hook. Right? I no, his name, name was hook. Well, his real name is Ben, but Ben is boring. So yes. <laughs> I don't want to call him Ben, but like sometimes you read it, they refer to him as a slicker. I'm like, eh, I guess I'll take that yeah, better whatever. than Benjamin. You know, <laughs> just because of the fucking raincoat. <clears throat> well, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so this is perfect because what you brought up wasn't actually what I was going to bring up and it, they go together very well. So I have to talk about the radio station giveaway call scene in general. Okay. That was makes- the second thing I was going to say. So okay. I'm glad you did it. Oh, yep. So happy yep. This makes no fucking sense. So J Lo Hugh literally says, <laughs> I love that like, name. J. Lo Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, she literally says her phone number is unlisted when she gets a phone call and she thinks Brandy is picking it up, which also proves that, Brandy lives there because she comes out of her own room and picks up the yes. phone. Um, anyway, so they get a call from a radio station offering an all expense paid getaway if they know the capital to Brazil. My bro, my man, <laughs> what radio station calls unlisted numbers to answer trivia <laughs> questions for giveaways? That is not how shit works. You have to call them. There is like a whole hotline. You do not just wait around at your house hoping a radio station calls you for vacation specials. <laughs> that is not a thing. The first thing I would say is how do you get this number? I'm fucking unlisted. I'm traumatized from a fucking event 12 years ago where my friends died by a killer. Like, how do you just pick it up and be like, yeah, Bahamas? Like, that is not how this would work. No, it, it's just, it bothered me so much at that point. That I couldn't believe there was still almost an hour of movie left after that scene. Now, I'm like, oh, this is where we're going with this? <laughs> now, Nick, I have to ask you a question because I didn't pick up on this. Guys, spoiler alert, the movie's fucking what? At this point, 23 years old. Okay. Man, it sucks. <clears throat> and, it, and it sucks. You find out Will is actually the Slicker's son. Okay. Will is Ben's a- son? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I won't cut off. You're good. 
<laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so Will is Ben's son, right? Nick, did they allude that the radio station was fake? Because Will actually makes the call to lure them back in. So he's trying to get revenge for these people that ran over his father. And he knows, obviously, Julie's the one who did it. So he thought it was basically that's the main thing is I'm going to lure them to the island and me and dad are going to kill her. But then he does the thing at the end where he's like, sound familiar? And he's doing a voice. It's like, wait, was that a fake radio station? Or were they just really bad at noticing that clearly wasn't the fucking DJ that they usually listen to? Either way, it's a huge fucking way to try and get this story to seem believable. Well, my big problem with that is it's an all expense paid trip. So you're telling me he paid for all of their plane tickets and their travel and their stays because you have to book out the whole week. I was so confused because I got that, too. I was like, okay, so apparently he faked it pretending to be their favorite radio station and called them, which isn't a thing that happens, and then paid for their vacation instead of just killing them where they're at. Bro, just kill them with that. That was like a $15,000 murder that turns out horrible for you because you don't kill them. <laughs> this was a horrible financial investment in your part. No. no. I, want, I want them to vacate a little first. Like, why would you? Why would this be your plan? And speaking of things that are confusing, before we, before we wrap this up, because I know we go on a lot of tangents in this episode, we're just excited to be back to the normal format. Oh my but God, I am. <laughs> I have to bring up one other very, very confusing scene, and it is... Um, when J-Lo Hugh calls Freddy Boy. And it is very confusing because it's when she's inviting him to the Bahamas. And I thought they weren't together because she left Southport. He refused to leave Southport after all like the murders and shit happened. But during the call, they're somewhat together and she invites him to the Bahamas. And he's like, well, you couldn't hang out with me this weekend because of my fishing trip or whatever, because he works as a fisherman uh, for whatever reason. And <laughs> They do that whole exchange, but then he's like, he pulls out a ring to tell his friend, like, I'm going to propose to her. I was lost. I don't understand. It it jumps right to one thing because what you guys don't know is, yes, there is a full scene exchange before that where he visits her at school. Yes. And she refuses to go back to Southport. She's like, I need time. I still love you, but I need time. Dude, if some girl's telling you that she doesn't even want to go see you, why would you buy an engagement ring? Like, what plans? <laughs> How do you think you're going to woo her over? It, it's just one dramatic effect to the next. And Nick, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's going to bring me in. I, if there's one scene I got to talk about that I thought was hilarious, it involves that engagement ring. And I have it written down here. Okay, so what happens is Ray is going to go to the Bahamas because he knows that the slicker is back because the slicker ends up killing one of his ship friends, right? Yeah, yeah, White Snake. They were singing White, White Snake. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't one guy could have sworn he sounded just like him oh. but <laughs> he goes and he knows that julie is on the island and he knows the slicker is after him so he's like fuck i have to get to the island so he tries to pawn the engagement ring that he was going to give julie uh julie right so he goes to this pawn shop and he shows the guy the ring and it's got a massive fucking diamond in it right and this is what's hilarious because the pawn guy looks at the ring and he's got the little fucking spectacle in his eye and he goes Wow, that's a whole carrot. And then immediately says, and I mean immediately says, I don't have the market for this type of thing. What market? Diamonds? You're a, <laughs> you're a pawn shop. You don't have the market for, for large diamonds? Nick, Nick, oh my God, we do not own pawn shops and we are not jewelers in any sense. But I swear to fucking God, me and you could fucking sell a large diamond by the end of this yes. episode if we yes. had to. Who does not have a market for diamonds? I am glad you brought that up because I was so confused. First off, how does a fisherman afford like one carat huge diamond ring? That ring is like easily a $25,000 ring. (laughs) Bro, him and his friend can barely afford to share a pack of cigarettes and they're all wearing like bummy ass, like like ripped up clothes and shit. What are you what are you catching Gyaradoses out on the fucking South (laughs) Port? Like why? How do you have this money? And you know what? Before before we close this out, I got to say, in the beginning of the movie, you find out that Freddie Prince and his friend aren't good fishermen. They say, we no. haven't caught anything in a month. You haven't You're caught right. a fish in a month? A fish? I could catch a fish right now. And it's not my job. Oh, man. There's like seven boats when they do that scene at South Park, and none of them caught one fish. <laughs> 
that's probably because they're not fishing. They were just hanging at the docks, smoking cigarettes. Oh my God. <laughs> man, what a fucking movie. Nick, I don't know, man. I think I got to say fucking 1998. I still know what you did last summer. Please don't contact me next summer. Your sequel sucks. Yeah, it does. But it was fun. We came back. It was we're back fun. back in business. We, we are. We're back in business. And, you know, I think the one thing is, Nick, <clears throat> no good deed should ever go unnoticed. Yay. And <laughs> <laughs> the excitement is ripping through my fellow host here. And if you guys don't believe that this movie was bad, this movie, okay, won the fucking Chainsaw Award, okay, for worst film that year. And if that wasn't enough to put the whole uh, title phrase here, sequel, it also wins the Stinker Award for worst sequel the same year. It w- it had an award-worthy season, Nick. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, this was really fun to come back, man. We got a shitload more of horrible sequels coming your way. Remember, like Nick said at the top of the show, you guys can always rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform, whatever you listen to us on. And you can always contact us. Any questions, recommendations on movies you want to see us do, um, concerns at um, yoursequelsucks at gmail.com. You could reach us on our socials by sliding in up in them DMs at YSS Podcast on Instagram and then at Your Sequel Sucks on Twitter. You could reach me at any time on at Luke Ladley. Well, I said on at Luke Ladley. I mean, don't get on me. My wife would be so mad. (laughs) But listen, at Luke Ladley um, on Twitter and Instagram. And Nick, where can these motherfuckers find you and your best slicker? I got the cream jeans over there. (laughs) (laughs) At Nick Evans writes on both instagram and twitter but we're back in the swing we're excited we'll be back next week but until next time bye bye your sequel sucks it sucks your sequel sucks it just really sucks